set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. You've got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level. To the second level. On SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's your host, Aton Shander. Well, we are inching closer now to hopefully a little more closure when it comes to the NFL draft. That's really the only thing we can control. Look, you might be betting on the Marbula One or something similar on the global market, like when will McDonald's restaurants reopen in the UK? KFC's up there. There are a ton of things you can bet on, and it kind of focuses on where we are at least in our lives, and I know that a lot of us are hunkered down, rightfully so, and things aren't getting, it looks like, depending on who you listen to and where you're getting your information from, things are changing drastically by the minute. In some cases, there's a predictive model that comes out that says, look, we're going to be okay in a month. And then the next minute, well, look, somebody else here has another predictive model. I feel like we are in the jury of some Law & Order episode. And every time I turn on the television, every time I see somebody, either a politician or somebody talking about a politician, trying to inform us about the situation right now with this COVID-19 virus, I feel like, and especially when you add the element of social media, which is a hell of a chaser, mind you, but I feel like we're all trapped in this Law & Order episode where take your pick, Now, this is a rabbit hole right here. We can go down. I might even have to tweet this in the break, but the best defense attorney that's out there. Like, who was the best over the span of law and order? Because they had a bunch of repeats, including, of course, a guy who started out on the other side. So take your pick, and this defense attorney comes out. Oh, my goodness. We have our doctor. We have our expert. Experts on the stand. Well, doctor, isn't it possible... And then all of a sudden, McCoy comes up, cross-examines, and then they bring the other doctor on, and it's the same dance. One doctor comes on and says, no, no, no. And then, of course, Jack McCoy shreds him, cross-examination on the next expert. And then we go to bed. Hopefully, at least we can eat all our quarantine food. That more on that coming up. Also, the NBA at least has a plan, and we have to give them credit. That next on the second level. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. All right, I put this out here on Twitter, at Shander Show, just to give you a little bit of help. Maybe you forgot a bunch of names on there, but lawandorder.fandom.com. And we're live on the stream, so you can follow along if you'd like on Facebook, Twitch, twitch.tv slash Shander Show. But the best defense attorney of all time on Law & Order. You have to go back because there are some fantastic defense attorneys that are early on. And look, this is only Law & Order. I don't care about Special Victims Unit. As big of a fan as I was of the other show, Criminal Intent, mainly just because of 
Vincent D'Onofrio. Although, to be fair, that cast was, was strong. There are only two that are listed for criminal intent. So I don't even think you saw many court scenes, if any. The main episodes came from Law & Order, that one. And there are a bunch. Eric Bogosian was a defense. So here's, this is crazy. Eric Bogosian, right, famous actor, maybe quasi-famous actor. Have you ever seen, Andrew, I'll ask you, and I don't know how many people have seen this movie, but I feel like you have to see it in our line of work. Have you ever seen, it's old, so this is not like a gotcha thing. And to be fair, I didn't see it when it first came out because I was only 10 years old. But when I got into this business, somebody told me about it. I watched it, and I was like, wow, this is dead on. This is epic. Have you seen this movie, Talk Radio? I have not, no. Okay. That, everybody's going to tell you to watch this show, watch that show. I would just say for somebody like yourself who is in this line of work, who is in talk rate, I know the different genres of it, but it's fantastic. Now, Bogosian is, he's been in other stuff as well. He was a defense attorney. He's only been on two episodes, but this is the amazing reach of a show like the specific Law and Order. So Bogosian comes on season three. That's a long time ago. And he's the defense attorney for two episodes. That's all he was on was two episodes. Fast forward, he was actually on a couple of the criminal intents as the captain or the lieutenant, if you will, in the show. So he was in charge of the whole precinct. It's crazy how guys and women actors and actresses not even get recycled but get brought back in expanded roles. So you really have to look at somebody who was there, and again, I'm not going to go through name after name because you wouldn't know him offhand, but probably the best is the guy who was once a, who was once part of the main line, like he wasn't Jack, it was pre-Jack McCoy, but he was the initial ADA and then moved over. And he was in a bunch, but I'll have to remember the name when I see it. Because now I'd, I'd blank on it. But anyway, that's where I feel like we're at. Each and every day, we get one expert that gets cross-examined. And then another expert that gets cross-examined. And it leaves us in this state of confusion. Edie Falco was... Wow, Edie Falco was an ADA... Or not ADA, defense attorney. That's what we're asking, the defense attorney here. So she was a defense attorney in four different episodes starting in season three. There are actually a lot of people that were on The Sopranos in some capacity that were in Law & Order, sometimes even beforehand. Like Chrissy, for example. He was a limo driver way, way, way back. Wow. I didn't realize that. See, you never know who pops up on this list of names that were famous defense attorneys in Law & Order. But what happens is you get misinformation, you get led one way, you get somebody coming out with some sort of pieced together information that's not necessarily false, but it's like, well, there's not really enough data behind that, or there's simply not enough time to have proven that works, anything along those lines. And then you start removing it from medical people or the politicians slash journalists that are around these medical people, and you get to where we are, which is sports. And I think what's really confusing for a lot of people, and I understand this, and this is not trying to be judgmental or yell and scream. It's more just hopefully if you're part of this line of thinking, you can remove yourself from it because it's difficult, and I get it, 
but I think this is what's happening right now is, and I'm only talking about you and I, not even the two of us here and myself and Andrew, but all three of us collectively, if I can borrow something from Mr. Robot. Boy, did you see Mr. Robot? I haven't seen that one either. Oh, my goodness. I finished the fourth and final season. There's, there's some heavy things going on there, good and bad. But the point of it being that we constantly, outside of extreme measures, like a pandemic, for example, we constantly, when things are normal around us, look to sports not just as an, an escape. And that's an overblown, you know, the tired, wired what is it, Gen Z or maybe even less than that phrase? It's a similar some similar scenario here. It's like normally when things aren't to the ultimate extreme and down the toilet, we look at sports, yes, on the surface as an escape, but really as a way to kind of set a trend or indicate how society can be. And I think that there are some utopian elements not everything but there are some utopian elements of sport specifically team sport where you can look at a locker room with a guy like bosa and sherman and you can look and that's an extreme example of course but look you can look at tons of locker rooms in which for better or worse stuff just gets homogenized into one it's formed as a team And it's not like the military or something along those lines. And I'm not knocking that or bringing that down. I'm just saying it's a completely different example. But when you have team sports, there is something about, well, why can't my neighborhood work that way? Why can't my block, my town, why can't my city, why can't my state, why can't 50,000 people who get into the same arena work the same way as the five to 12, to 20, to 40 people that they're paying to watch. What is it? It's not all the same demographic that's playing a sport, not every sport. So what is it? And even still, if there's a heavy demo on one side, when you infuse another, it's not like everything just goes to crap. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. Do you see this? There's somebody who doesn't look like the norm playing this sport. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? doesn't work that way. Not... Anymore, at least. A lot of the stuff happens online. A lot of the stuff happens one or two steps removed. But that's what we're normally used to. So when we don't have sport now, or we have Kirk Herbstreet, or an unnamed AD, or anybody, Mark Cuban, who at least is giving us something tangible, when we have people in our world give us anything, even if it's a nugget that's chipped off of the wrong block, it doesn't matter. All we need is something, whoa, 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 Herb Street said this, and AD said that. No. I think what we have to look at specifically is this is one of those rare times. It's not often, and in fact, it takes extreme measures. But this is one of those rare times in which sports won't lead the way, in which sports either as a distraction, more so as a combination of such, a distraction and some sort of trend setting or at least some sort of light on best elements of society at times, that's not going to work here. You're not just going to return, oh, my God, let's just get the NBA back. As soon as we get the NBA playoffs back, we're going to beat this virus. Anybody saying that, don't listen to them. Add them to the list. Add them to the pile of names that you should already be avoiding right now, fueling either misinformation or 
quasi-half information for any type of benefit. And benefit is a wide term, not just political. Add them up to the list. Well, as soon as we get back to normal, yeah, you have to get back to normal first in order to get games. And I mentioned this last night. I was at game three of the World Series in 2001. Yankees, Diamondbacks. And I saw at the time it was uh, George Bush who threw the ball out. They had the F-16s fly out. And look, I don't care, vote or not, any of that. That doesn't matter to me. But at that moment, it wasn't people cheering for the guy throwing the pitch, which actually, from what I remember, wasn't that bad of a pitch. And again, I can't even bring that up because people will accuse me of being political, and that's, if you know and follow me on Twitter, I'll welcome you as a follow at Shander Show. You know that I am as far away from that as humanly possible. But that did something. The NFL returning, that did something. This time, you can't just get back on the field. You can't just get back in the arena. You can't just get back and hope that doing such as a return to sport is going to fix it. It's not going to work that way. It has to reverse. You have to feel safe. You have to feel okay. You have to be able to clear essential personnel in order to just get fanless activity. And as much as we hit a lot last night on the show about the MLB situation, Jeff Passan's tweet, Scott Miller came on. Scott's everywhere, Bleacher Report, at Scott Miller BBL. We talked about it because from a baseball standpoint, it was fresh. But the NBA is looking at a model in China, and the NBA is preparing, as you've seen, look, here in Philadelphia, story this past week went viral, when they incorrectly released their plan way too ahead of time and way too cutthroat. That didn't make any sense. Of course, they pulled it right back. That aside, that's not the issue here. What is, the NBA is apparently preparing for multiple scenarios, like any business in any industry right now is anything. We get that. The difference is the NBA, unlike Major League Baseball, and you can draw whatever conclusions you want from this statement, but look at the difference. Neither one of these sports, neither one of these industry, and to be fair, nobody in sports is doing this, even Dana White and a very hypocritical Vince McMahon, who seems to have no problem shutting down the XFL, but wide open with WWE. That aside, outside of very small anomalies, and really two if you can count them, the NBA has put out a public plan, LeBron James aside, which is basically like, look, if you out there as a fan, if you out there as a viewer, if you out there as an investor, want to see something return to normal, want some sense of normalcy come back into our lives, well, we need to be healthy first. And that just maintains what you've been told by all the medical professionals. Stay the hell home, social distancing, wash your damn hands, sanitize if you can't wash them, all that. But essential personnel, as you saw this wind horse report get talked about now for the last three or four days, I know it came out Friday, but this was out. He himself spoke about it on TV ahead of time, so this was moving before Friday. And basically what they're doing is applying what's happening in China and trying to apply what happened in South Korea before they said shut it down. Now, 
the difference is the South Korean Basketball League is not nearly as important to the direct economy slash well-being of South Korea, Seoul, or anywhere else inside that country as the NBA is. Look, the NFL takes the cake, but the NBA is there. The NBA matters. Pro basketball here in this country, in the National Basketball Association, generates a ton of money. So, yes, it makes sense that you would go the route of temperatures before games, making sure that everybody is checked in and out. You go to a different room, you get checked. You go out there, you play a game, you shower, you're done, you get checked. It stands to reason that that's the only way you could sort of cheat and you could sort of bring things back to normal even if we're still stuck inside. And look, I hate to break it to you because if you've been listening and we're going to bring a guy back that we had two and a half weeks ago who said exactly what is happening now two and a half weeks ago next hour. Emory Hunt, of course, this hour, is there's some NFL draft stuff we need to get out the way first and foremost because it's a priority. But you have to understand, it doesn't mean that if you're told to stay inside two extra weeks or if the calendar predictive model was ah, a little off, let's just stay inside for two or three more weeks. That's not a bad thing. Just like all these cases rising as a result of testing, not a bad thing. You have to understand. The NBA got it right. MLB came out, they panicked. They said, no way are we playing. LeBron James tried that. No way am I playing without fans. That was on Thursday. Guess what happened on Friday? That report with Winhorst and China became public. At Shander Shows, hey, get me on Twitter. We're live on the Twitch stream. Twitch.tv slash Shander Show. Facebook as well. I'm telling you, man, you can't make it up. Really, it's, it's insanity. When you look at that, again, Emory Hunt's going to join us in 13 minutes. Coming up, actually have some answers on Twitter about that law and order DA, as crazy as it is. <laughs> it's the second level. You're listening to The Second Level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, with way more than the scores, here's Aton Shander. All right, so I have to ask real quick, because nowadays you never know. Nobody has redone this, or at least taken this beat, like they did with Special Delivery and so many others. Nobody has redone this, right? To like my this knowledge, is, no. Okay, cool. This is the actual Pete Rock and Seal smooth track you're playing from the system, Andrew. This isn't like... A new Chase, uh, Chance, Chance the Rapper. I was thinking Chase Young because I have it in front of me. This isn't a Chance the Rapper song in which he took that beat, right? Uh, no, that was actually Lupe Fiasco. Get out of here. I swear. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Are you serious? Yes. All right, can you play that again? I See, I thought at least some things would be sacred. I mean, it's, it's the same sample. It's, of, of course, of the horn. Even that thing in the back. There's like a small, subtle shift of this effect with the drums. Oh, my God. That's disgusting. I can't believe it. I. This is like, I'm telling you, man, this is like whatever movie out there. 
that pushed you over the top, no way should they have remade that. Are you kidding me? Why do they remake Point Break? Anything it might be. The worst, not even the worst movie that was remade, but the one that put you over the top. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. They finally, that's it, I'm done. They remade this movie, It, or whatever the hell it is. I cannot believe it. Now, I guess the irony is I'm complaining about somebody stealing a song that was chopped up and sampled in the first place, but, hey, Pete Rock and Seal Smooth paid for that, all right? They had to clear that. Unbelievable. So Scott Meyer Sr. at Oxymorons tweets, Danielle Melnick, and it isn't even close. Well, that's a strong one right there. Richard Brooks, by the way, is the actor I was describing, I was thinking of, that starts out on the ADA side and then moves to a defense attorney. But Danielle Melnick is, I think Tova is her last name. She is a consistent face in that. And you see her a lot. Yeah, she's right there at the top. Tova Feldshoe. That's her name. She's also in Criminal Intent. She's in a, a couple of other ones. She's in 14. She appeared in 14. Richard Brooks, of course, is the main guy who starts out and then moves over. He's Paul Robinette in the show. Dan Hedaya is in this. Now, come on. You know who Dan Hedaya is, right? Heck no. Wait a second. Dan Hedaya, I feel like, is a poor man's Harvey Keitel. You're speaking uh, a different language, Aton. Okay. Well, you don't watch anything anyway. Let's be fair, right? Fair enough. I mean, I could go five shows right now, and I guarantee you, you don't watch any of that. You, st- you know, it's like stop, big money, big money, stop. So you stop when you hear a show that you've seen or you're watching. Okay. Mr. Robot, Westworld, Ozark. Um, what else am I watching? Um. There's another show that I can't think of. But that's three of five at least. Is there anything that you're watching right now? Money Heist. It's a Spanish uh, TV show on Netflix. Very, 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 very good. What is it called? Money Money Heist. And it it also helps me be productive because I get to sharpen up my Spanish a little bit while binging TV shows. What about Narcos? Narcos, big fan. All right, but can't you sharpen up your Spanish and Narcos too? I can, but to me, the... Oh, this is actually Spain, though. Yeah, saying. this is Spain, yeah. Okay, a criminal mastermind goes by the professor as a plan to pull up the biggest heist in recorded history to print billions of euros in the Royal Mint of Spain. Now, who's in this show? Nobody American. Well, no, that's fine, because the best Netflix stuff, like this guy Harlan Coben is actually an American writer, and he put out three shows that, with Netflix, BBC, British shows, they're fantastic, but they're all British, and it's a British production, of his book. So I'm with you. If it's I actually move away from it now. If it's a crime drama type story, I actually move away if it's if it's one of ours. We can't do it well. This looks uh, pretty interesting. Now, is it subtitles dubbed or how do you consume this show? So I, I watch it in Spanish with English subtitles. Oh, good. Good for you. See? That's a you can't go dub. Dub is like last chance if if you have nothing left in front of you and you still want to watch it, right? I just can't deal with the mouse not moving at the same exactly. pace as the word. It just makes – I can't do it. Exactly. It's good for like an old Jackie Chan. You want to watch Drunken Master? That's fine. You can watch Drunken Master on a dub. But Money Heist. Now, this came out two years ago. So this is what, season three that we're in? Season three, season four is going to come out in the next month or two. Look.
look at you. I didn't. Ex- this is you're pulling us out of nowhere. I thought you'd be watching reruns of University of Houston playing some college football game, and here I am, blown away. Now you're not watching the regular stuff, but you're going to dive into this Tiger thing. And we had uh, my buddy Matt Mullen on last night who described it, and I, I just I couldn't run away from it fast enough. Not at all. I haven't taken the plunge yet. Tiger King will will not be watched on my television by me. Probably by my fiance, but not by me. Sorry. I can't do it. And I don't feel like this is going to be something where in three years I'll look back and say, man, I missed that, like Deadwood or something along those lines. Emery Hunt's going to join us coming up. A lot of football stuff to get to. We'll see what shows he's watching outside of tape, of course. Dealing with the root of the issues, it's The Second Level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. All right, so you heard Andrew's suggestion. And, again, hit me up at Shander Show. The Twitch and Facebook streams are up. The show is on my list now, and... There are about five other ones that I need to plow through that I'm sure you're out there watching. So we will get back to the secondary stuff, I promise. But the thing right now in front of us that is providing a necessary distraction while the world is just changing by the second, the NFL offseason. Emery Hunt joins us on the Progressive Guest Line. You can follow Emery if you're not already at F-Ball Game Plan. Everything football, owner of football game plan as well. You can see him as well on TV, Sportsline. Emery Aton Shander, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you for the time. First and foremost, hope all is well and safe with you and yours. Well, I appreciate you having me on, man. I hope all is well and safe with you and yours also. Uh, Yeah, things are, are crazy right now, but at least we get the time to talk a little bit of football. So normally, right, if it's any other sport that's not like the NFL that's going on in the offseason, I, I think it would be, all right, what are you watching on TV, how are you spending your days, and all these things. But the NFL has been business as usual. Outside of Tom Brady, I imagine the DeAndre Hopkins trade is going to be the biggest move we saw in March and the one that will probably have the biggest ramifications in coming up in this year. Yeah, I would agree. Because that is something that we don't normally see, a team moving on from their number one option that's paired with a young quarterback who he has great chemistry with and trying to function offensively. So watching that play out on both ends, how well he'll do in Arizona to how much they'll miss him down in Houston. Yeah, and I wonder, because a lot's going to be focused on Houston, Deshaun Watson, how happy he is, what happens now moving forward with he and Bill O'Brien. But Arizona becomes an interesting topic and an interesting candidate as far as what they might do in the draft, especially because they seem to be loaded at wide receiver. But what happens with the Cardinals? They win five games last year. They make a big move this year in the offseason. How much better are they, do you think, after the draft when all the dust is settled? I think they'll be much better. I don't think they were that bad last year. Yeah, they won five games, but you can go back and look at their, uh, how they finished a couple of those games. You talk about that tie against Detroit. That's the game they should have won. Um, so that pushes them at six. And there were a couple of games. The San Francisco game in Arizona was another one that they had the 49ers beat. That could have been seven wins. So 
this team, I don't think, was a bad team in 2019. So this year, I think they'll be one of those teams that we'll see push for a winning record. That second year in the system um, and second year understanding what's going on, they'll get better defensively. They had a lot of injuries in the secondary last year, and now those guys are healthy and they have the ability to add more. So I think Arizona's a real serious player uh, in that division. What about the Rams? I think that's going to be the wild card. In, it's almost like Seattle, you know, Russell Wilson's healthy. You, that's a problem. May not win 13 games, but that team is a problem. At least you have to look out for them. The Niners, I know the history isn't good for a team that loses in the Super Bowl to bounce right back, but they have a ton of talent, well coached as well. I don't know what to expect from the Rams, who lost a couple guys and still have a lot of guys on that on that team, Emory, that are high-priced talent. Yeah, and at the end of the day, if you have talent, talent usually wins out. And that's why that team found a way to, to get back into the mix last year. And if we have the new playoff rules uh, last year like we will this season, then the Rams would have been in the playoffs. And so I think that's a team, just based off what they have on paper, they're a 9-1 team. And if Jared Goff can find his consistency, they'll be a 10-11-12-1 team. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a crazy division, especially as you kind of look at how this whole thing plays out. You're right, with the Rams and the playoff scenario would have put them in there. Now, I, I wonder, the Saints, just because of what happened with Tom Brady and the arrival in Tampa Bay and so much buzz around what the Bucks can do, but the sneaky signing of the month has got to be Emmanuel Sanders to the Saints, right? Yeah, I think, but it's a you know step forward, step backwards because here's what this was the opportunity for New Orleans to allow Drew Brees to walk, and so with that you allow Drew Brees to walk, you re-sign Teddy Bridgewater, and now you can continue to have that explosive offense. We saw in the playoffs this past year and the prior year, Drew Brees' arm isn't what it used to be, and it is taking a significant drop off. So this offense even with Emmanuel Sanders, may not look the same and may not be as explosive as we were expecting it. You look at that playoff game against Minnesota, they went a full two quarters without throwing the football past seven yards. And, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, that's not going to get it done. So the Saints are in serious trouble, in my opinion. They're going to need their defense to be really good this year in order to get them over the hump. How much does Minnesota miss Stephon Diggs this year? I think a lot. I think it's interesting when you look at a lot of these teams. Teams in the NFL do a great job of of showing a lot of confidence in average quarterbacks. We see this with, you know, Jared Goff out there in Los Angeles. You see it consistently with Kirk Cousins. You see it with Ryan Tannehill. Uh, the way they're offering him a, a contract, Nick Foles can parlay four games into multiple starting opportunities and multiple millions of dollars. And you see this in Minnesota because – Kirk Cousins was the reason why they lost that game against San Francisco. When teams don't fear your quarterback and don't fear you can beat them in the passing game, you're playing one-dimensional ball. And the Vikings signed up for more of one-dimensional ball uh, when it counts the most by re-signing or extending Kirk Cousins. So I'm curious, and you look at the change, right, the makeover that the AFC East is going to go under, at least with the departure of Brady, but Diggs now, member of the Bills, and Buffalo wasn't bad, right, last year. I wonder if there is still going to be some sort of mental block 
on that division, right? Because even with Brady gone, Emery, you still have the mastermind, right? You still have the hoodie on the other side of the sidelines, and you still have that mental, that image of, we're just going to lose this game no matter what happens because we're going up against the Patriots in that division. Do you think that still has some sort of stranglehold over the other three teams, or maybe this is the year that they break the mold? I think this could be the year they break the mold because you're going to have improving teams uh, like Miami, who's who's done a great job in free agency, plus they're armed with 14 draft picks to get even better. <laughs> and he played really good football last year. So Miami is a team that could be a problem. Buffalo could be a problem as well because of their defense and how well they play offense. They play ball control, and they don't beat themselves. Uh, they got into the playoffs last year with that formula, and they've gotten better on the offensive side. So you expect Buffalo and Miami to be in the mix. The Jets weren't as bad as their record indicated, and you hope a healthy Jets team uh, with their second year in Adam Gase's system and adding some pieces uh, on both sides of the ball, they'll be better. So New England last year wasn't as good, even with Tom Brady, and this year without a Tom Brady, they could take a step back. And I, and I think a step back for them would be 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and, and perhaps missing the playoffs. So how much of that changes when, or if I should say, a healthy Cam Newton signs up in Foxborough? How much of all what you said changes, and does it go back to normal? It goes back to the Patriots being number one and <laughs> team fighting for number two to get into the wild card. And we saw that happen last year with Buffalo. Played well enough to get the wild card. And I think the AFC East will be very competitive uh, this year, once again, because I do believe Buffalo will still be in the mix and Miami will be vastly improved and the Jets will be competitive throughout the season. So, yeah, if they get Cam Newton or even if they get Jameis Winston uh, that has now had LASIK surgery, the Patriots will still be the class of that division because they have the coaching and they will have the quarterback. Wow, that would be something else. Now, expectation, and I'm just assuming, right, we're all assuming Cam's healthy. What does this do for Cam and and basically where he's at in his career? Because I get it. Like, you look at the arrival of Cam Newton and his abilities, his skill set, especially when healthy, can still be special in the league. So that is the stopgap at the very least. If not, the net, 30 years old, he's still young. If not, a guy you can ride with for the next couple of years. But what about Cam himself? Like, what does that do for Cam Newton, the quarterback, to be up in New England playing with Belichick or for Belichick. Right, that's that's a great thing for him. That's like in basketball when team when players get to play with Phil Jackson. You know yeah. what type of offense you're gonna run, you know what type of uh you know team you're gonna be. And so when you have a Cam Newton that should be hundred percent healthy with the greatest coach of all time, along with one of the greatest talents that we've seen in the, in quite some time coming to the league it should be a match made in heaven because now you get a motivated Cam, a healthy Cam, alongside a Bill Belichick that's motivated as well because of the perception that we just talked about where, well, he doesn't have Tom Brady, so maybe he takes a step back. So I think both of those guys motivated with something to to prove would be dangerous for the NFL. What are your thoughts, Emery, on the report that came out about Tua and the concern just about the injury history? And I think we have to fold this in with – this being a clearly unique offseason where you're not having the benefit of a physical to kind of clear up any type of issues that you might have from afar or concerns, if that's a better term. It's interesting because 
it's funny how people are all willing to look past Tua's injury history and surgeries, but weren't willing to look past Lamar Jackson's non-injury history and non-surgeries. They were projecting him being hurt when he never showed that in college. Uh, but now right. they're willing to look past Tua Tagovailoa's injury history. Uh, but here's the thing: when when you have a guy like Tua that can play, he's he's, he's very talented but has proven time and time again that he has injury issues, you worry about that. So even if, let's say, he was fully healthy and ready to go, um, despite this year being crazy, and, you know, he recovered from the hip, you would still look at him and say, man, you know, he's been injured a lot. So I wouldn't trust taking him in a top ten. You know, if I, had a, if I were a team that had, a, you know, let's say the Miami Dolphins with those three first-round picks, yeah, maybe at pick 26, but not at pick five or pick 18 because of the injury history. And if I don't trust his injury history, I will have to pair him with a solid veteran that I don't have to rush him out there because he is an early entry in the draft. So let's say if you're the Los Angeles Chargers behind Tyrod Taylor, yeah, you could see that situation working out. If you were New England uh, and you still had Tom Brady, yeah, that would work out. Tampa Bay at 14 behind Tom Brady could be a, a good spot for him too. So, I just wouldn't spend a premier pick because you're expecting your first-round pick to step in right away and be a contributor. Emery Hunt at F-Ball Game Plan on Twitter. It's on Shander. It's the second level. Are you doing anything outside of – and, look, it's a busy time. This is not vacation or time off normally for anybody like yourself who is as entrenched in the NFL to draft the offseason and the regular season to come. I get it, but – because we're in extreme circumstances and locked up everywhere around the country for the most part, are you watching anything? Like, are you have you gone back and either rewatched a show that you missed five, ten years ago, Emery, or maybe catching up on a show that you missed the first time around? Well, first, it's still a football game plan, so we're still doing a lot of great. Football. <laughs> I figured we got we got our draft guy. You don't right sleep. Six hundred and fifty <laughs> draft prospects at footballgameplan.com slash 2020 draft guide. So get that individual scouting reports. But to answer your question, uh, I have never, I've seen maybe two episodes recently of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. So I thought it was pretty <laughs> funny. So I went back now and started watching it from season one, and it's my new favorite show. Oh, that's amazing, man. It is great. Now, did you watch Seinfeld? Barely. I watched okay. it to go to sleep. Right. Okay. There you go. So it, it's you know it's based on uh, Costanza, right? The other guy in Seinfeld, and it's like him in real life. But it, it is hilarious, and it's it's an underrated show because a lot of what they do. I'm laughing. Sorry. A lot of what they do is improv. It's it's not written. You can tell, and that's and that's, and that's what my you know what what I love about it. I mean, my minor from college was theater, so I, I get it. I love that hey. part of it. Um, yeah, I was a math communications major and a theater minor, so I'm 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 in tune to the improv part of it. And I, you could tell that, that a lot of it wasn't written by how they act or respond to certain uh, things and scenarios and, and stuff that people say. This is great, man. We got to get you back on breaking down TV for us, Emery. Not only the <laughs> NFL draft. Appreciate you big time, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right, stay safe. That's Emery Hunt at F Ball Game Plan. We'll wrap the hour next on the second level. 
scratching beneath the surface. It's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. All right, thanks to Emery Hunt for joining us. And he's right. They have one of the most comprehensive sites for the draft, for the offseason, football game plan. Fantastic opportunity to catch up on a bunch of things for the NFL if you're bored with your shows, if you're bored with whatever you're dealing with from a binge standpoint. Look, I get it. We're still trying to prepare for a fanless reality, and that's kind of where we opened up with the NBA at least preparing us for that. And it's going to come down to, yo, if you want this sport or any sport to return, then you best be prepared to keep your ass home and watch it through a television screen. Now, this is something that we can talk about because beyond the law and order thing that came from a complete rabbit hole, we've moved on Twitter, sorry, at Shanner Show. But one thing to look at is what's the best sport? Like, what's the sport? We've talked about that, right? That would work. All right. What about the most difficult sport? What's the most difficult sport you think that will be on TV that you just won't get over watching? And look, you're going to have to get over it because the country's health, the world's health is at stake. But just think about that. What's the worst sport with no fans to watch on television? Because there's going to be one that jumps out. Maybe if you're a Mets fan, you're already used to it. Ha! Set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second-level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. you got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level. To the second level. On SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's your host, Aton Shander. The reason why we bring things up, the reason why we go down ridiculous rabbit holes, the reason why we then post those rabbit holes on Twitter is because we'll still get answers that I could not even comprehend initially when bringing it up. So an hour ago, specifically one hour ago, 60 minutes ago, I brought up an analogy about how we are just torn right now, back and forth, just being dragged Left, right, no pun intended, and everything that you get from an expert who has now been politicized and all these other stuff, it's like sitting in a jury and watching Jack McCoy and Danielle Melnick go back and forth shredding the experts that they respectively bring up, the lawyers that they then cross-examine the medical people or the pilots or any expert that they can bring up, and it's just back and forth and back and forth. So that got us into a law and order rabbit hole about defense attorneys. And Mark Bentz at E-Town Blue Jays 10 tweets in and asks if I ever saw the episode Jerry Orbach. Now, Jerry Orbach is the most famous character on Law and Order by a mile. Jack McCoy aside, I still think that it's Lenny Briscoe, Jerry Orbach. He came in season three. In fact, there's a very memorable introduction of Lenny Briscoe, Jerry Orbach, where it's Chris Noth who gets to the crime scene first, and Orbach gets there, and there's this back and forth about powder on the blues and donuts, and Noth says, you know, it's not all about eating donuts. That whole thing became famous. That aside now, with Orbach, I didn't realize that Orbach 
was a defense attorney in one of the early episodes before he became Lenny Briscoe. And this show is amazing. This show, it's like its own farm system. Think about this. It's like having your own AAA team right there. Well, we'll get this person on. He'll be one defense attorney. He'll be the criminal. He'll be the bad guy, the bad woman, the villain this episode. Next thing you know, they're in a prominent role back, and they kill it. Think about whoever is the best AAA, double-A team that's been mining talent for years. Even if they cheat, maybe it's the Astros. You're listening to The Second Level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios with way more than the scores, here's Aton Shander. Just went through this Uproxx article about the 1991 episode of Law & Order where Jerry Orbach plays a defense attorney. And again, the hat tip to Mark Benz on Twitter at Etown Blue Jays 10. And we've come to find out that it's season two. And in he comes... Briscoe and all, except he's playing a defense attorney, Frank Lerman. Now, this is the best. Brian Grubb wrote this back in July, early July 2014. But this is the best synopsis you'll ever read or hear regarding a Law & Order episode. It's almost The only thing that would be better is watching Michael Scott do the entire episode of Law & Order as he's trying out for Andy's play. But this is what Grubb writes describing the Law & Order episode. It starts out just like any other Law & Order episode. Small talk, quote, they all want cops to live in the city. On our salaries? Dead body, investigation, wisecracking, New York-based food talk, quote, best hot dog in the city, 86th and 3rd, the papaya place, misdirection, etc. I mean, that's just, that's every Law & Order episode. Every law. What are you doing eating those peanuts from that vendor? Come on, the best peanuts in the city in Flatbush. You get all. You, this is a typical Law and Order episode. New York-based food talk and the small talk. Usually, the small talk is Lenny Briscoe, and that's what you used to for twelve years. Unbelievable. Now, something a little bit more current. I have three and a half episodes left of Ozark, and I wish. I truly wish. There is something I could come on and say, hey, the show's great, but show's great. Ah, this show is fantastic. I thought season two wasn't as good as season one. Season three is in its own world. It's not better or worse as far as season one or even two. It's better than season two, but it's different than season one. The one thing that remains and this is, a, I think, a little bit of a bigger picture statement to where we are right now currently in our society, which is stuff, industry, business. Things are going to start catering, at least short-term. And look, short-term could be the next eight months. It doesn't mean, no, that you're going to be in your house, shelter in place for the next eight or nine months. It means that a lot of the social interaction is going to change. A lot of the staying at home and at least socially distancing when you're out is going to remain. Industry and business will have to change. Even if it's a restaurant 
that brings people in simply now getting into the meal prep and meal delivery service industry. That's separate. It's going to change. And I feel like Ozark, to be fair, I've been doing this for three years, so it's not like binge watching is anything new, but Ozark, and it's not the only one, right, has been written and presented. That's the bigger thing, but definitely written first and presented for a perfect match of the binge era. It's impossible to stop the show. It's It moves at an incredible clip to where you are constantly just not even realizing. You're, not, you're probably not even cognizant of the fact that it's going from one episode to another. It's seamless as far as from episode three through four through five. It moves that fast. Everything moves that fast. And Jason Bateman... He directed a couple of the early episodes, and you'll see just how well it's presented. And then it moves to another director as the story kind of shifts, and it's presented not in a completely different way by any means, but it's presented in a really cool way. Here's where the first – I'm not going to give anything away specifically. And, look, if you haven't watched the show, there are 30 episodes out. They're an hour each. It's not hard. Trust me. It's not hard to watch this show. This is one of the easiest watches I've seen on television in a long time. It's not, man, I need to sit down and emotionally prepare for this thing. It's not hard on you. And it's not even something that wears on you, like Game of Thrones. Let's be honest. End of the final two years of Game of Thrones, it became a chore for a lot of people to get up there and watch it. And look, it, it drags on you emotionally. It's a heavy story as well. And I'm not even talking about the real heavy stuff that is just focusing on the worst of the worst. A serial killer, rape, and all that. It's just, oh, no, I, I can't do that. But, I mean, for this show specifically, it's a very simple, easy watch. The story isn't simple. The complications of what's happening with characters, character development, arc, if you will. That's not simple. But this is the best thing, and I'm just going to give you this big picture definition kind of explanation of why I found this season to be fascinating, is one of the bigger themes, and you'll see it right away because it has to deal with Laura Linney and Jason Bateman, the couple, Marty and Wendy Bird. You can see something developing between the two. And how it's built and portrayed in the first three season, or sorry, the first three episodes of the season. It's almost like, okay, look, I get it. And I'm not downplaying or dismissing it, but it's like, okay, great, I get it. You know, you're empowering somebody, and there's a lot of focus on this, and you kind of feel like the series is shifting. And you almost feel like it's no longer about one or even two people, it's about the other person. And I'm not going to give away any specifics. I'm going to say that's how they presented it and acted through it for the first three episodes. And then it wasn't even like a punch in the face. It wasn't even like, oh, my goodness, wake up. It was a very subtle shift over about one, maybe one and a half episodes in which it brought you back. And that's cool. Something like that is hard to do on television. As a viewer, to be moved and be aware of it as you're watching a show Eh, okay, it's a pretty obvious, pretty general direction, pretty typical direction as far as what's being discussed and put out there on TV and movies now as far as the theme. I get it, I get it, I get it. And not like, 
M. Night Shyamalan hits you in the face with the I see dead people. No, it's, wait a second. How did I get back to the begin? How did I get back to where we were before this series, part of me, season even began? That's what Ozark is doing at an amazing level this season. It's worth your time. The acting is incredible. The writing is really good. At no point are you looking thinking, oh, my goodness. All right, all right come on. You know, this is some, some out-of-touch, ridiculous heist or scheme. Look, just because you can think it doesn't mean it's realistic. And I do believe that Ozark has kept itself inside this realm of believability. And I'm not going to continue to go down the TV tangent. What I'll say is the biggest flaw in Mr. Robot season four, the final season of Mr. Robot, is it broke away from that. It was doing such an amazing job of staying inside the parameters it created, which is, okay, it's clearly a different show. It's not based on a real-life situation, but a lot of it is believable. So much of it is believed. Even big-picture conspiracy theories were presented in somewhat of a believable fashion. And in this case, in Mr. Robot in Season 4, they just went off the deep end. And that's where I think they lost a lot of people. It's not happening in Ozark. Three seasons, nearly three seasons into a show, it's really difficult to stay on course. At Shander Show is how you get me on Twitter. We're live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Shander Show, Facebook as well. We talked with Emery Hunt last hour, and one thing that popped at the end of the conversation, the hypothetical, of course, that's been thrown around now regarding Cam Newton and the Patriots. And that would be the biggest Outside of Brady leaving, that would be the biggest must-watch you would see in the NFL. Cam Newton healthy over everything else. The absence of DeAndre Hopkins is a big one, but you still have talent. And I don't think that all of a sudden you lose Hopkins, you expect the Texans to not compete for that division. On the flip side, I don't expect that people would believe the Arizona Cardinals now are some sort of lock to compete for the NFC West. Moves happen, right? Stephon Diggs, look at that. Minnesota's going to get by. They have an opportunity, actually, to draft a pretty good wide receiver in the first round. One of the four or five guys is going to be right there in their lap. And I think you can look at it as a strong possibility that they get immediately better in the draft. Buffalo doesn't become a Super Bowl contender with the addition of Stephon Diggs. And I don't know what the hell happens in New England, which brings us back to, oh, by the way, if Cam Newton signs up there, that actually might be a bigger story than Tom Brady signing with the Bucks. And I'll explain. Before you jump on me, what the hell are you talking about? Cam Newton, not a big name as Brady, resume, all these rings, all this other stuff. It's Brady, it's Brady, it's Brady. Ask yourself this question, all right? Because this is what's going to be lost in discussion. I can already see it happening. You're going to have your typical talking heads yelling and screaming, Brady this, Brady that. But which guy 100% healthy? And that's it. That's as much as I can ask for coming into a season. Which one of the two is going to make an immediate impact on the team and the team's surroundings? Meaning, which guy is going to either make an, I would say start, because they both have to, make an immediate impact on their team so you can debate who's more valuable to their respective teams, Brady, Bucks, 
Newton, Patriots. But then you have to look at a secondary part of it. And I, I hate to even use that term because it might connote in your brain, oh, it's back burner. It's not as important. It is. So it's one. It's 1-1-A one, one or the two of them together. Technically, you need the first to happen, which is signs healthy. But who's impacting the team's surroundings more? Think about that. Is Tom Brady the difference between the Bucks winning the NFC South? Is Tom Brady the difference between Tampa Bay unable to compete with New Orleans last year and now not only competing with New Orleans but locking it up? And look, I don't care if it's a tiebreaker at the end of the year. I'm not expecting, nor should I, look at that as a barometer of failure if Brady doesn't lead his team to a two- or three-game lead over the Saints, and that's how they capture the division. Point of it being is, I don't care how you get it, it doesn't make the Bucks right now. Yeah, you could talk about the hypothetical, but it doesn't make them a valid contender to win that division over the Saints. It's still, you still have to deal with the Saints. Can they do it? Sure. Anything's possible. And yes, they have a better shot of doing it right now than Carolina, I think, because I don't know really what to expect from that offense. And, meaning it could be really, really good, or could you struggle first year. Atlanta, you'd like to think, is taking a step back just based on some key guys they've lost. Understanding a lot of it is contract, but look, you don't afford, you can't afford, I should say, to pay Hooper. You lose a guy. Defense, offense, you lost running back as well. True font, I get it. Not the best lockdown cornerback. But if guys are moving on and you're bringing in younger people, that doesn't automatically, and especially in the NFL, mean that you're going to correct issues and then, bam, be out there competing. It's the Bucks and the Saints right now. We expect that. Flip side, though, is Cam Newton comes in healthy. All that talk about the AFC East being open is shut. All that talk about, well, this could be the Bills or this could be. Yeah, I get it. The, the Patriots themselves aren't loaded like they weren't loaded last year, but they were pretty damn good. And you'll focus on that game that ended their chances of hosting and getting that by way more than you should. The body of work was there. And Cam Newton is no slouch. Cam Newton comes in with a different skill set than Tom Brady, not better not worse, depending on how you can argue it. Different. And if healthy, now all of a sudden, Bill Belichick has the ability to do something different. Bill Belichick has the ability to make what he's done in the past, the past couple of years, decades. Now, nearly two decades with Brady, it looks different. And you're going to bet your bottom dollar. Because if you don't, then I'll make sure you do. I don't care what app you're using, if it's global, illegal, or if it's Local here in Philly, parks, casino, wherever it may be, it's fine. But you bet that offense is going to look different. It's going to execute different. It's going to feel different. But you know what will be the same? They're going to kick the you-know-what up and down the block with those other three teams in the AFC. Those other three teams in the AFC East are still going to fall into the self-fulfilling prophecy, which is, man... Brady's gone, but look who's still here. And he doesn't have Brian Hoyer or Jarrett Stidham or somebody they trade up for in the draft. They have somebody legit. At Shander Shows, hey, got me on Twitter. 
Again, live on the stream, Facebook, twitch.tv slash Show. Coming up 13 minutes from now, we'll bring back one of the top docs we can find across the country, Dr. Mike, on an update on what's happening with the COVID-19. It's the second level. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's Aton Shander. All right, 10 minutes. Dr. Mike will be back with us. Chat a little bit about the update, some positive stuff, some things that will not be negative by any means, but will definitely give us something to look forward to continuing to do as far as a purpose, meaning, look, if you stay the hell inside, then sports might come back. That might be the easiest way to put it at this point. Mentioned, of course, Mr. Robot, that disappointing end, and this whole thing began with Ozark, because Ozark's back, and and I am loving it, and so many other people are, are as well. It's rare, I think, that you find a show that has been so universally accepted where you're, I haven't found anybody online. And look, I only follow about three, maybe 4,000 people. The algorithm on Twitter ensures that I don't see much of what you post. So please keep posting. But I will say this. I haven't seen much at all, if any, negative reaction to the show. And that's usually rare for something that just pops out. And you get him... Well, think about it, like Jason Bateman, the Ozark-type show that comes out, and you get him and Bateman, a very famous, big, prominent name associate. not to say Lauren Linney isn't, and others, but mainly him leading the show, directing it as well. And the more popular you are and the bigger the name associated with the show, as it goes deeper into its existence, like season three, Ah, a little bit of this fading off, and come on, how much more am I going to see this? You heard my criticisms about Mr. Robot in Season 4, ran out of gas. This is Season 3, it's nowhere near running out of gas. It's like you've got a full tank. Man, did we leave the house two hours ago? It's like barely burned any gas here. That's crazy. Because otherwise, you're going to run into the complete opposite, which would be Game of Thrones. And nobody wants to go down that road. Nobody at all wants to be that show that had such an amazing amount, right? Some, but somebody where you look at, and that was in Westworld, that cameo. Oof, brutal. We didn't talk about that last week because we had so much other things in front of us last night. But Westworld did something last week. That was indefensible. And I warned you ahead of time, before this show even began this year, I said, all right, look, you don't need to jam this show up with cameos. You don't need to jam this show up with Marshawn Lynch, Aaron Paul. You don't need to add new names, big names like an Aaron Paul or even somebody like Lynch where it's like, all right, look, we get it. You wanted to add in a football player, former football player for value, like Game of Thrones did with Ed Sheeran and uh, Noah Syndergaard. Come on, you don't need that. It's just, oh, look, cool, something else. Kind of watch it. It's like having a big explosion in a movie, and you look back and say, did they do anything else? Did they even, like, did they talk? Did Vin Diesel even say anything? 
are just blowing stuff up for two hours. That's kind of the difference and what you really should avoid. All right, six minutes from now, I mentioned Dr. Mike is going to join us at Shander Show. Is how you get me on Twitter. Live on the streams as well. Story is growing here. Now, I don't know. I saw this originally in Minnesota and Michigan. So I know that there are two states in the Midwest that are dealing with this. And I'm sliding it in here now because I'll have the doctor come up after and either back me up or he, and he knows me. He knows me all too well. So he'll tell me in front of you all out there, I'm an idiot. I'm crazy. I have no idea what I'm talking about. But there is an ongoing battle right now between state governors and golf courses. Some areas in the summertime, it rakes in a lot of money. And I'm not even talking about the prestigious small private club where you know 80 people are golfing over the course of a year. Private, no, public clubs. Public clubs who have been shut down and clearly can remain shut down from a clubhouse, restaurant, all that other stuff standpoint, are not allowed to maintain some sense of being open if all you can do is show up. You can't go in any clubhouse. Show up with your spikes on. Get out there. Don't talk to anybody you don't know. Touch anybody you don't know. Get close to anybody you don't know. It's you and the people you can account for. Ideally, somebody in your household. You show up, spikes on, bag from your car, the first tee. Blast that drive like I know you can, and then you start walking. Well, Shannon, what about, no, no carts, no touching the flag. Look, I get it. Etiquette is going to have to take a back seat because there's no touching a, a rake. If you're in the trap, you blast out of the trap and you move on. And you know what? If you have a gimme putt, you don't need to just slide that last one in there because the flag ain't moving. It's so simple. And, yes, I'm saying this to somebody who – would selfishly like to be out there playing in the middle of a wide, wide, wide open area. But I don't want to be a full-on hypocrite. Maybe we'll start out there with Dr. Mike Sigmiliano coming up. Famous doctor here in Philadelphia and beyond. Fox, Fox Networks, CNBC, NBC, and everywhere you can find them. And we'll get some insight specifically as far as what's going right and what we can continue to do. Dealing with the root of the issues, it's The Second Level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. So a lot's happened the last time we had a chance to chat with Dr. Mike Sirigliano. Of course, Dr. Mike here in Philadelphia and beyond. Famous not only for that smile, sir, but for the information, the education. Such an easy transition. It goes from you describing how something is happening from a medical process to the layman's ears. So we appreciate your time, your insight, Dr. Mike, and and thank you for coming back on. Before we came on this segment here, as we ended the last one, I mentioned selfishly about golf courses and being a hypocrite and and trying to maintain some sense of normalcy. But to be fair to what's happening around the world and around the country, you and I spoke on the air really two weeks ago, maybe 15 days ago. What has changed as far as giving you hope 
something positive, something tangible, Dr. Mike, that you can look at over the last two weeks and say, you know what, the world will not come to an end? Well, hey, Tom, there's a lot of reasons to, to be pessimistic, but you have to have hope. You have to believe that the smartest people in the world are working on this right now, and they're going to come up with a treatment, and they're going to get people through this. And then there will be a vaccine. It's just a matter of time. What we need to do, Aton, is just get through this really tough period. And if we can do that, then I have all the confidence in the world that we will be okay. Part, I think, a lot, maybe, of getting through this is still staying home, right? I I think that there might, and I say might, be a general misconception that testing, controlling, identifying areas, limiting spread will equal in two months or maybe six weeks that we can just go back to being normal and hang out at the movie theater and other places. Well, Aton, again, I'm trying to be positive with this, but we're, we're really, at least in Philly, and if you're looking at New York right now, yeah. we're, we're really in, in it right now. And, and the bottom line is that we must continue to avoid close contact, large numbers of, of gathering of, of, of people. I mean, look, I was driving through Philly last week, and I saw people sitting outside having ice cream two feet away from each other. That is not what we need to do. Because remember, Aton, we, we don't have uh, a really good treatment right now. And, right. and the only way that we can, and, and I love this phrase, we, we need to flatten the curve. We don't want to overwhelm our health care systems. And all you have to do is go online and look at what's happening in New York to, to realize how important a concept that is. If you don't need to be out, stay home right now. How much of what's happening in New York is because, and I know it's a pie chart, and it's not one or the other, right? This isn't blaming somebody for losing a football game. This is a very wide range of factors into something happening. But what percentage of what's going on in New York is due to the sheer volume of people in that small island? Well, that's about 90% of it, the the extreme density of population. You also have to remember, New York is a a cross-section of the globe, not just America. I mean, it is international on on a regular day. And you you have to understand that that people use subways. They they don't get in their cars. They they use subways and they touch things. And the railings and, and the fact that this... This darn virus, for lack of a better word that I can't say, all right, is, is something that lasts on, on inanimate objects for days. And so you, you put all of those things together, and you have what we're seeing in New York. But don't be fooled that this can't happen anywhere else, like in the Midwest. It will spread. It's going to spread. And what we need to do is socially distance and wash your hands, get hygiene as good as it was when you were five and your mother was washing your body. Okay? <laughs> get smacked you in the me? back of the head if you'd show up to dinner with dirty hands. Well, you gotta, you've got to uh, make sure that you protect yourselves and your families. When I get home, and I've been on the front lines every day now for the last two weeks when this thing really started to hit, 
I wear scrubs at the office. I come home. Uh, there's a bottle of Purell waiting outside the door. I Purell. I touch the doorknob. I go upstairs, take my street clothes off, get a shower before I see anybody or talk to anybody in my family. All right, so let's look at that as you're dealing with this here in Philadelphia on the front lines, like so many people, heroes dealing with this and putting so much at stake of your own, and, and thank you for that. How, what are you seeing? Because when you get on social media, Twitter, and you look at press conferences, no matter who it's coming from, if it's the people covering or the actual people running for office, all that stuff that's thrown in there, what you get stories. You get, well, my friend texted me, and she knows someone at the ER, and, and then you get somebody responding on that tweet that says, nah, that's not really. What are you actually seeing that is, is becoming a major problem on the front lines, Doc? All right. Well, number one, uh, I, I have two patients on ventilators right now. Now, I'm one doctor. I'm not in New York. I'm in Philly. I have two patients on ventilators. I have several, probably five now, that have been well enough to stay home and have not required ventilation or being hospitalized. Now, the strangest, weirdest thing about this virus, and no one can answer it, and I was on the phone today with our chief of infectious disease. There were four people that got together. This was uh, a dinner. Two of them have no uh, problems at all. They felt like they had a cold. The other two are in serious trouble. One of them's on a ventilator. So all of them the same relative age, all guys, all at the same thing, ate the same food, did the same thing, and they all got coronavirus. And I don't understand why some people end up on a ventilator and some don't. And they're all young. They're not old. Right. So it's not like if you're 80, you're in big trouble. I have an 80-year-old who had it. He's eating popcorn tonight, <laughs> watching Netflix. I mean, I, I, it's, it's bizarre to me. I don't understand it. This is an evil son-of-a-gun virus. How much of that and the inconsistencies of this strain is reminiscent and maybe even helping in, in trying to fight it? Because I know that there's talk about the specific type of plasma that's been now allowed to treat but how much of, of what you're seeing with the inconsistencies of this strain of the coronavirus, Dr. Mike, reminds you or look anything similar to how Ebola, SARS, anything along those lines, other strains would, would work early on and kind of jump from body to body? Well, thank God this is not Ebola. I mean, Ebola has like a 90% mortality. I, that one... That one, I would have jumped into the Schuylkill River already if that was the case. I mean, that, that, wow. that, that's not what we're talking about. This is just a real SOB virus that seems to be playing with us, uh, and uh, it's similar to other uh, uh, pandemics in the fact that it is worldwide. It's lethal. Uh, some have compared it to the influenza Spanish flu pandemic back in 1918, uh, but it seems to be uh, having a little higher level of mortality uh, than that one. But the, the bottom line is, is that uh, this is something that happens in nature. 
And uh, one of the things that I think is interesting to me is that this probably got started where a, a and this is what some people think, some experts in the field think that it was in the animal population. Some people think it was in the bat population, got transferred to the pagolin tr- uh, uh, population. There's anteaters, and there's mm-hmm. this particular scaly anteater in China that is used for traditional Chinese medicine as well as a delicacy. The meat is thought to be a delicacy. And i got to tell you, uh, I think we should ban that kind of stuff. I mean, eat, I, I think that, that, that eating... Pagolin, which has caused worldwide death and destruction. Uh, anybody I catch eating an anteater are going to have to deal with me. I Listen, got for you. I, I'm, I'm sending them your way as well. Absolutely. You, you get a swift kick in the you-know-what if you're found eating an anteater after this nonsense. It's so true. So I do have to ask now, as we see numbers increase, and this is something that you and I spoke about, and I wanted to get it out on the air and other shows we repurposed this part of the interview two weeks ago because it was almost easy to see, right, Dr. Mike, where the more we test, the higher numbers of positive that come back. But that doesn't necessarily mean that if you're coming back positive with the results of increased tests that you're screwed. First of all, most people, as I just mentioned, think they have a cold. They think they have a mild flu. That, that's the vast majority. And so it's not a death sentence. It's not the end of the world. And you can't go anywhere where they have hearing about a, a ventilators now. Yes. The reason we are so keen on ventilators is that this virus attacks the lungs. And when it does get you sick, which is in the 20% range of people that get it, 80% really don't, don't need much of anything other than staying at home. Those really ill people, many of them will develop what's called ARDS, acute respiratory distress syndrome. That's where this virus attacks the lung tissue, causing tremendous amounts of inflammation and fluid to build up, and you then cannot breathe. That's why the ventilators are important to allow and help the lungs get oxygen to the body so that you don't, you don't go down the tubes. And so if you get it, you have a good chance you're not even going to think you have it or it'll be very mild. For those that are very sick, and again, I don't know who or why. We, we used to think it was older folks. Yes, yep. those older folks with underlying medical conditions have a, a, a tougher time with it, but I've seen my share of young people get into trouble as well. We get those ventilators, and, and, and if we don't, overwhelm the, the, the hospitals with sick people, I think we'll be okay. Well, Temple did this. I know the Javits Center in New York, I'm sure all over California and other areas, Chicago, other areas, big cities. And look, maybe it's even a high school gym in the middle of Des Moines. But it looks like there is necessary precaution being taken to establish bubble facilities that can take me coming in for the flu as opposed to me coming in for COVID-19, which would be at the regular hospitals, correct? Well, right down the road from me, the, the Glenn Mills School, which has been closed for a while, it's, a, it's an old reform school. They have tons of, of, of enclosed areas that they could turn into hospital areas. Remember, if, if, if you had an urgent appendectomy, right? 
so you, you just had your appendix out. You don't have COVID, but you don't want to be next to somebody that has COVID-19. So what you want to do is you want to get them uh, out of there and put them somewhere away from where the action is. And we need those hospital beds for the acutely ill when we see this surge come through. And once we are able to have capacity, then we can save lives. Got it. Dr. Mike, last one for you, and uh, just trying to clarify other things that are going on. Some stuff has been politicized, unfortunately, but we go to you for the real facts here. The masks, the, the reason why the, M, it's, the N95, right? There's even a difference in the certain type of mask that you, as a physician on the front line, needs versus me, a healthy individual that could wear, and I say could, wear one if I go to Target or Whole Foods. Well, there's a lot of, uh, uh, there has been debate about masks and, and uh, what, what we need in, front, in the front lines. If I'm going into a room where there's a, a, a patient with coronavirus, I want an N95 mask. In fact, I might put a, a, a procedure mask over the N95 mask, and I have goggles, and I have a whole attire that I wear. If you're going to go to Target, the most important things that people have to remember are, number one, social distancing. You don't need a mask if you're six feet away from someone. Now, if it, you really need to practice that. You need to stay away from people so that they can't cough and aerosolize. Now, you want to get a procedure mask? Fine. I don't have a, pr- a problem with that. The problem is there's such a shortage of all kinds of masks that we need those masks for frontline providers that are risking their lives and their families' lives by going into harm's way. So if, if you have a bunch of them at home, uh, look, if you're going to go to Target, get one and donate the rest right. if you want to do that. I practice I went out today. I had to get some groceries for the family. I did not wear a mask. But I'll tell you what I did do. I pureled, and I made sure that my hands were clean before I came back into the house. I can't thank you enough. Dr. Mike, you rule. Thank you, man. Stay safe, and thank you for what you're doing on the front lines as well. We love you. Aton, you're a, a genuinely wonderful human being, and I mean that. I'm not BSing. You are the real deal. You the man. All right. Now, see, now everybody's thinking, oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. All right. We'll break. We'll wrap the hour next. <laughs> You're listening to The Second Level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios with way more than the scores, here's Aton Shander. All right, so, well, what was it we were just talking about that I wanted to, oh, this Parole. promo, yes. <laughs> I knew it was something of value. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you to Dr. Mike, first and foremost. That guy can make the most difficult medical issues sound very simple. Not great or positive or negative, just simple for you out there. So I hope it was informative. Third hour next. Set your system's volume control for slightly above... The normal listening level. Let's go. 
Second level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. You got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level. To the second level. On SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's your host, Aton Shander couple of things that we have to pay attention to now with the NFL draft less than a month away. It's going to happen. It won't be the typical draft we're used to. Las Vegas is going to have to get over it. Speaking of Vegas, what's the deal with that promo with Peralt? We're going to have to get down to this thing. Andrew Carlson has pulled this. And you are now guilty by association, my friend, because you are part of this program. So I'm sorry to drag you in, but... I don't know what the hell. It sounded like somebody got him up late. Like, yo, yo, by the way, you know, you, you got a show. So we pulled that promo just to kind of figure out what the hell is going on. At Shander Show is how you get me on Twitter. We talked a little bit about the return of Ozark and the difference and, and really the change that you see in Season 3 that for some reason was not there in Season 2 but does have this great feel of the show kind of coming back to its original DNA. Now, speaking of TV, the odds are still out there, global, of course, for the week. There are a couple of battles of networks, basically NBC, Fox, CBS, ABC, and then you get into a little bit with the news channels. There's one, though, that jumps out, HGTV or TBS. Now, they're both at minus 120, and you have one more day until this thing is done, because it was the most total viewers March 23rd, March 29th, through March 29th. HGTV, TBS. Look, TBS doesn't have any live games. TBS is not airing any type of baseball playoffs right now, or college basketball, for that matter, the tournaments and everything that they normally would have a part in. HGTV, though, major influx of people watching this now that normally would be out and about, but they'd be working. And it's not just, oh, somebody watching a home makeover show, all this your demo, all the stuff that you, somebody had, oh, you know what, look, we just saw this show, or love it or list it, whatever the hell it is, and we should do that to our bathroom. Maybe we should build a second bedroom, and maybe we should order all that wood and build ourselves a shed. Dealing with the root of the issues, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. At Shander Show is how you get me on Twitter. And I don't know if you're active or not, but the amount of bots that have increased from a certain part of the world it's exponential, and I, I just don't know how you can't see it, especially because if you – and it's all based off of an algorithm, right? So it's there. The bots are there to pick up on key phrases like the name of a country, for example, or the name of a virus, where that country or it originated from. And it's insane to see this because this wasn't the case now four years ago during the election when all of the Russia this, Russia that stuff was going on. And you didn't see as much of an influx of bots. Maybe 
these guys just got it down. You know, Russia's looking at this like, damn, we missed out. We could have had, we could have flooded the block with our bots. And now it's like you can't go. Just scroll through whatever the latest tweet is that's addressing what's happening, and make sure if you really want to have some fun, make sure that China is mentioned by name in the post, and then just see all of the bots that are flooded with it. And the best part about it are, or I should say, the well, maybe it is the singular best part. I was going to say one of the best things, but it really is maybe singularly the best part. Watching people back and forth with these bots, not realizing that it's a brand new account with zero followers that joined a month ago and has like six or seven English letters in it and everything else is a different language. It's like, no, you idiot. No, you idiot. It's just, oh, it, it is insanity in true form here on social media. Now, I don't know how many people, because you can watch this on Twitter, a lot of it is being broadcast on Twitch and Twitter, but I don't know how many people are watching the players in Major League Baseball go back and forth on the show tournament, just sitting there and and hanging out. I know the NHL just simulated the Red Wings and Flyers. They did it on the NHL 20. That's cool, but is anybody doing an old-school simulation? That's what I want to see. I want to look at it to where you have games that should have been played. For example, I mentioned the NHL 20 simulation. The Red Wings and Flyers should have been on the schedule playing. Obviously, they're not for extreme circumstances. So they simulated the game on NHL 20. Great. It looks like if you're watching it, especially on a TV screen, it looks like as close to a real-life game as you're going to get. I understand that. But who's doing that on NHL 94? Who's simulating football games with Madden 92, where you had the ambulance come out and just clear people out on the field? Who's doing that? Who's going back to Bill Walsh football and running these simulations? And look, it would take forever. But you could create guys. You know, you that's back in the day when it was total roster build. So you could just sit there and create people that weren't even in existence at the time in which the game was out and people are playing it back then and do that. That's the simulation I want to see. Anybody can say I could sit there and go back and forth on MLB The Show for four or five hours and go in, in some sort of tournament there. But show me. Baseball players, basketball players, show me Steph and LeBron battling it out, Lakers versus Celtics, or Blazers-Celtics, I think was the other one. Show me that. Team USA, you remember that? They also had, this was, I think, on the Genesis? What was the, I'm asking the wrong guy, I know, Andrew, but I think it was the Team USA game was for the Genesis, and it was basically like the Olympics. It was the international. Yep, Team USA Basketball, 1992, available for the Sega Mega Drive slash Genesis game console. Look at that. And it basically was the Bulls-Lakers game, except it was the 92 Dream Team run. So, yeah, you had Angola and other teams that our squad ran through, but it was that same 2D scroll-type basketball game where, you know, you were going up and down, you had all the regular... Team USA guys, but 
this was also that realm of before Live came out. Live was 95. This is before that, where you had Lakers versus Celtics, Bulls versus Blazers. Not Lakers, sorry, Bulls-Blazers. That's right, that's that finals where it was Jordan versus Drexler. NBA Showdown, 1993, probably the most underrated of all the games was the NBA Showdown game, 93, and that was the Super NES. That was the game that kind of followed the Bulls-Blazers game. That's the simulation I want to see. Give me the old-school video game. What's the difference? Like, what's new? Everybody's been doing that. We've been seeing this forever. That's what Twitch is right now. That's what Facebook Live, if, if you've got your OBS and anything else that you're broadcasting your video game stream on, off your PC, whatever it is, we've been doing this. Even the computer. Computer, you're getting better graphics, you're getting better playability, especially if you have the right stick or controller hooked up to it. We've been doing this forever. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I'm looking at these simulations because that's what a lot of people are doing. Teams, players are doing, even MLB did it, to kind of kill time with everybody at home. Saw the Flyers lost to the Red Wings in this NHL 20 simulation. I'm thinking, wait, wait a second. Is that really the, the best one you could do? Why not go old school? And look, old school is in. Retro is in. So save me on the, ah, you know, young kids wouldn't be able to, uh-uh. That's why shows like Stranger Things and others work, because there's a constant need and drive for nostalgia. It just it doesn't stop. At Shander Show is how you get me on Twitter. Eight on Shander. It is the second level. Jared Lee Smith's going to join us. Jared Smith's going to join us. Sports Grid and Beyond coming up 20 minutes from now. Last week, we had Jared on, and right at the end, we opened up this door. I, I had no idea. We're, had Jared on multiple shows before. He's from this area where I'm at, you know, Philly, South Jersey. I had no idea, started working down at the same station that I do a local show, that he was so well-versed in the world of stocks, and especially now with a crazy, volatile market up and down by the minute, we started talking about it because, look, sports and things along those lines for the majority of the interview, and I was like, hold on a second, hold on a second. The guy has the credentials already, schooling and any type of credential that you need to get in order to be in that world, to act in that world, trade in that world. He's got it. So why not? We've already had Jared on and done a great, done a bunch of great stuff talking about fantasy bets, futures. But if we can apply that same line of thinking with an expert like Jared and look at some stock stuff, maybe even get some insight into some global picks on stocks, and look, stocks are really reflective of what's happening with the country or a company. Starbucks, McDonald's, KFC, all on the global market about when they would reopen in the U.K. I mean, think about just this for a second. Here on the global market, you can bet on when KFC will open up their restaurants in the U.K. After May 15th is minus 170, before May 15th, is plus 130. I mean, look, this is where we're at right now as far as betting on things, and the global market has prepared. It's either that or Marbula 1. So if you want to bet on 16 guys loading up a bunch of marbles on a track, God bless you, you have every right to do it. The difference is I think there's actually something tangible out there that you can apply 
which is stock prices and moving and how that movement may be. So we'll chat with Jared coming up at 840 Eastern. When will McDonald's restaurants reopen in the U.K.? Minus one, It's dropped minus 145 for McDonald's after May 15th, as opposed to minus 170 for KFC and even higher, minus 190 for Starbucks. The value, I guess, is plus 145 that Starbucks would actually open before May 15th in the U.K. I don't know why McDonald's is down to plus 105. Maybe it's been bet that way, but... The odds are significantly lower, 40 points lower for the McDonald's restaurant than Starbucks in the same area, the same region. Oof. All right. We heard this in the break, and it just it sounded weird. And I know I'm not alone because in the break, when we heard this promo, and if you're listening in and around on the network, you'll hear this promo a bunch. Matt Peralt, of course, hosts Pushing the Odds. 1 to 4 Eastern, all across SB Nation Radio and beyond, and the app. So there's a promo of Scott Miller on. We had Scott last night. Scott's one of the best baseball minds. And look, Matt's one of the best hosts out there, top, and especially what we're doing on the network and what he's been able to do by talking about sports betting in a different landscape than just giving out picks and pushing a website. It's definitely a cool and innovative way to present it. All of that said, right, this kind of jumped out as a little weird. Now, I know I'm not the only one because you heard it as well. And before we even hear the clip, you heard it as well, Andrew, right? Oh, he's sleepwalking. Is that what it is? I was trying to define what that sounded like. And it kind of felt like he was like, I don't know, crashing in the break. And then somebody poked him. It was like, dude, you're back. You're back. You're back. But then again, like, wouldn't he jump out? Maybe that's, yeah, maybe my example doesn't work. My analogy doesn't work. Because if that were the case, then he would sound like, oh, like shot out of a cannon. It also sounds like he's almost confused as to who he's bringing on. Like he's reading the script, but it just, he's not comprehending what he's reading almost. So do you think that he was just in some sort of like haze? I guess. It does sound, it doesn't sound like typical Peralta. You know, Peralta's bringing somebody on. Look, we got Scott Miller. He's great. And I don't know. It sounded like a glitch in the matrix. You know, you're sitting back, you're listening in the breaks, and things are rolling through. You hear the same promos because you're doing shows. So on my end, I'll hear them over and over. And sometimes they blend in. They're great, but don't get me wrong. When you're listening, 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 it might blend in. That sounded like a glitch in the matrix. It sounded like something that you normally don't hear, especially from that voice. All right, this is how it sounded like in the promo itself. Let's get to Scott Miller, who covers Major League Baseball for the Bleacher Report. Is two weeks really kind of rosy to think that it's only going to be two right, weeks until so the players yeah. are being sent home? Look, that's a great question. What happened? What, what was that first part? I mean, as soon as he got into the question, it's normal cadence, normal tone, and a very good question to start with. An interview where you're like, hey, this is the this is the news. Two weeks. What can we do for spring training? I don't know what that was. That's that's a that such a bizarre way, wasn't it? No, I think a glitch in the matrix is a perfect way to describe it because I have no idea what in the hell was happening there. 
All right, let me hear that one more. And, and hold on a second. What's the deal with Brendan? He's the one cutting this up, right? He's got to make Peralt sound as best as humanly possible. There had to have been a better question, or I should say a, another question, that could have worked just as well in that promo. It's almost like, yeah, I really wanted to use that question, but maybe just use a rejoin, like ah, Scott Miller joining, right? I mean, I don't know. I I hate to be criticizing somebody else's backyard here, but... Those weeds haven't been cut in a minute with this promo. <laughs> All right, let me get it one more time. <laughs> Let's get to Scott Miller, who covers Major League Baseball for the Bleacher Yeah, 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 you're right. He does sound like he's, he's just, uh, you know. Look, that's like me when I wake up. It takes a little bit. I have to, you know, go through a process just to get back to normal when I wake up. Otherwise, it could be a long day. Uh, it was too much. At Shandu's show, is say, get me on Twitter. Of course, we love Matt. But when I heard that, I immediately asked you that in the break. Like, yo, did you hear that? Or is it just me? It was one of those things where I wanted to make sure I heard the same thing, right? Yeah, and no, I've, I've heard that promo about, I don't know, 50, 60-plus times now, and I've thought it was kind of sleepy just about every time I've heard it. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, Jared Smith's going to join us in 15 minutes at Shander Show. Hey, get me on Twitter. We're live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Shander Show. Facebook as well. It's the second level. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. So, question. Because a lot of people right now are transitioning, if they haven't already, to full-on home gym, home workout, and... Again, a lot of people have already made that shift. Just look at that device called the mirror where you can set it up and have interaction through it in your house. It's all done remotely and digitally and even more of an interaction than you would get on a Peloton, for example. And look, the Peloton is the bike, but it's mainly the tablet that comes with it, the programming and everything and people yelling at you and motivating you. Yeah, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. But. Where I'm at now, and I think where a lot of people are, trying to figure this thing out where you have to balance because otherwise you'll go crazy not watching TV and other shows. I mean, balance, like you can't just be so immersed in the NFL to where that's all you have going on. It's just waiting and waiting for this draft. No, you go out, spread your wings, fly into some other stuff and absorb some other shows, watch other stuff. But can you do it? While exercising, can you, and there's a difference. I can sit there and watch reruns of King of the Hill or King of Queens. It's probably a better one. I have no problem doing that. If I pay attention, I pay attention. If I look down at the scenic route that I'm driving, okay, that's fine. There is nothing lost where if my attention isn't specifically on the screen and focusing on what's happening and what's being said, then... It's no skin. There's no big loss there. I can afford to miss a word or two from Doug Heffernan in King of Queens. I don't know if I can do that with Marty Bird. I don't know if I can do... I know, and this is my dilemma, I know that if I get on the bike for 45 minutes and I watch a 60-minute Ozark episode 
everything's going to go fast. Everything. The bike is going to fly by. The episode is going to fly by. Life is going to move really fast for that 45 minutes. But my problem is, and this is why I can't run, like I couldn't run at all, especially if I don't have any type of like music or something I can listen to because I'm stuck with my own thoughts, which is I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. I have to be completely immersed in a show like Ozark, not because you miss one small thing and you lose everything and you're completely derailed from following the plot, but it's more so you don't miss things as they develop. And you don't miss pieces of the DNA of a character arc or the plot itself developing because you were focusing on something to do with your exercise, working out. Now, clearly, still need to work out. Whatever it is you're doing, if you're doing push-ups, sit-ups, if you're doing a bike, if you're on a treadmill, whatever it may be. Whatever you're doing to avoid having to go back to a gym that's closed right now for obvious reasons, I get that. And it's not, okay, you can't watch anything or oh, I, I, I can't have anything on. No, I prefer having mindless stuff on because I don't have to think about it because otherwise I'll get caught up in it. Now, I can tell you what I will not watch. And maybe even more so to the point of it could be on in the background as background noise, and if I miss something, it doesn't matter, and it's not something that I care about, like Ozark. But I wouldn't even disrespect my workout as much as I need them. I wouldn't disrespect my time on the bike, my own efforts. I wouldn't shoot myself in the foot with a proverbial gun from a Netflix show in Tiger King just to get through a workout. I don't think I could last more than 10 minutes. I just, I, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could. I've seen people tweet. They only lasted 20 minutes. Felt like it was a complete disaster. Couldn't decide which one they dislike more and just won't go back. Now, how many damn episodes is this? That's another thing. If you are, I thought it was just one <laughs> murder, mayhem, and madness. I thought it was just one movie, but it's a series. Oh, come on. A documentary? Seven episodes? There's no way. There's no way. I can tell you this right now. There's no way I'm going to make it out of the first episode if I can even get to the end of the first episode. I'm not going to do it. There is nothing about this show that jumps out as appealing to me outside of the fact that you out there have seen it. That's it. Like, that's the only thing I can determine right now is, all right, a lot of people have watched it. I won't watch it. Andrew, will you watch it? No. I'm not a huge fan of the, you know, just watch the car crash sort of mentality, and I feel like that's a lot of what Tiger King is. Yeah, I, I, that's a great analogy, where you're just lining up. You're lining up to get a glimpse, right? And you and I are stuck in that same jam, stuck in that same line of traffic, honking and mad and upset at anybody who is purposely slowing down to take a look. It's a rubberneck. And that's what this is. This is one giant rubberneck. I'm with you, man. I, who wants to see this? And why do people care? Like, why do I give a crap about this guy, whoever the Tiger King is? Why? Just because he's got a Netflix special? Do better. There are about 100,000 people right now with some sort of television or YouTube specials out there. So try a little harder at this point, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't get 
how somebody could sit through seven episodes of that. I told you how fast Ozark moves. And the storyline, it's compelling. Characters are being developed. Characters are being, their arc is being tested. What's happening? Who's developed? What could you possibly gain out of sitting there and watching seven episodes of The Tiger King? I I don't even understand how this could even work. How this could be, like, do you really have no other shows but this? Because I have about seven I can recommend. I don't know what's going on, man. We we are just, we're bored. Here's the good news. At least <laughs> you're staying at home. So can I really be mad? You can watch as much crap as you want on TV. Just stay the hell home. That's all I really care about. I don't care what you're watching. It doesn't matter how bad the TV is. Jared Smith's going to join us next. It's the second level. You're listening to The Second Level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, with way more than the scores, here's Aton Shander. Mentioned we spoke with Jared Smith last week, and we were talking about a lot of sports stuff, some TV things popped up, and then at the end of the conversation, because we were running out of time, as that seems to be the case with me and guests, especially good ones like Jarrett, who's back on with us. We, we ended the conversation talking about stocks. I don't even know how that came up, Jared, but you just hit us with a couple of nuggets and some insight to the market. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We need to have you back on and give you the proper time <laughs> allotment because not only do you have the insight, you have the credentials as well. This is not just you breaking down like you do so well, the world of fantasy sports and sports betting and beyond for Sports Grid and others. At Jared Lee Smith, of course, how you follow him on Twitter. You can see everything on the bio there. But this is like your own wheelhouse as well here with the with the stock market. Yeah, so it, I mean it's it's actually funny because when you when you go through the journey of life and you try to become a sports broadcaster, which is how I started my career, and then you get into other things along the way and it turns you into something that was more 9 to 5 corporate finance, but that leads because this was all this all happened at a time before gambling really became legal in New Jersey and and on the East Coast and that's really when the new kind of media media hub of this became a thing. So you combine the two, and I thought, oh, you know, I might actually have a chance to be pretty good at this. And, and yes, it is a good marriage of, of sports and finance. But the financial side is, is just as in dire straits as the sports side is right now, Aton. Right. So let's look at that because I think when you are talking about so many of us out here who are playing in multiple DFS leagues and multiple sports across the board – there is that need of instant gratification, and maybe that is similar to being a day trader, smaller level stocks, but clearly there's big money at play as well. Let's just start for somebody who has very little to somebody who is advanced and has as much understanding of what's happening as you do. So across the board, let's span it here. How bad of a situation do you think this is short-term and long-term with the stock market, Jared? I think short term, it's it's pretty it's going to be pretty painful. Uh, I mean, I, it just you know this is such a disruption in the consumer economy that we experience, and 
frankly, dismiss every day as Americans. I mean, we take it for granted that we wake up, we go to our store, we get our coffee, we get our lunch, we get our brunch, uh, we go buy clothes at the store. I mean, it's very nonchalant how we just say we're going to run these errands and then we'll be back later. This has caused such a disruption in that how we go about our daily lives and all of those places are places that not only need to make money in order to, to, to stay in business, but they also employ, uh, you know, all of these people uh, in this country. And, and, and the unemployment uh, rate is going to skyrocket to levels that we have not seen since the Great Depression. I mean, it is going to be a massive uh, unemployment rate in this country. Now, now, how that affects the economy long term, I don't think it's as severe because I do think we will bounce back, back eventually. But the short-term pain because of the massive disruption in the, the normal workflow and the normal flow of money, you know, the way that funds flow from consumer to business and then you know, cycles back into the economy is going to be massively disrupted for at least the next six months. But definitely for, for the second quarter and the third quarter and then maybe in Q4, uh, we start to get back to a normal level of earnings and, and a normal level of, of consumer spending. You know, the holidays hopefully will... Uh, you know, always are an uptick in that. But, I mean, it, it, it is going to be some short-term pain for the market. So how do you look at this knowing that it's a short-term pain that may not flip 180 in a couple of months but get better, significantly better, to where you can make some profit? How do you kind of navigate the waters now, Jared, to where you're looking at pretty much 90, I would imagine, like a ton of stuff, 90%, a lot of the stuff down, a lot of stocks down, and – kind of discerning what's going to stay down because industry is going to change versus, man, I got stock A or stock B at such an incredibly low price during this, for all intents and purposes, depression that we're going through. Now it jumped back up six, seven months from now. I mean, if you have cash to deploy in your portfolios, then obviously, you know, I wouldn't go all in, uh, you know, on, on your first, you know, on, on the first big down day, you know, you might have already employed some of that cash in your portfolio, but you're certainly fortunate if you do have a lot of cash on hand. If you happen to sell out and you're, and you're holding all cash right now, uh, I, I would recommend at some point to slowly, probably in, in the next week or, or two weeks, if you see you know more consecutive down days, start to slowly get back into the markets because they always bounce back and it's a great long-term investment and you will get some of the best discounts as you will uh, during this time, on some blue chip companies, you know, I, I don't need to name them. You know them: the Apples, the Amazons, etc. Uh, those will be, you know, be being traded at a deep discount. So if you do have cash in your portfolio, that's great. If you don't, uh, and you've already kind of hunkered down and you're just riding this out, then my recommendation to you is just to continue to ride it out and don't panic sell uh, because it's hard to get back into the markets and time them. So you know, you ho- hopefully you're paying a financial. Uh, analyst uh, to do this to your portfolio. If it's a smaller amount of money and you don't have an analyst or you know a financial advisor, then my advice to you is just to continue to to monitor the markets every day. And the more cash you have, the more we're down. Slowly put it back in. There's a lot of ETFs and there's a lot of other stocks that you can uh, you know choose that are going to be traded at a massive discount. But the new the new uh, you know kind of industry that's going to be very you know the the sub industry of this is going to be stock picking. Being able to isolate companies that are going to have financial uh, tailwinds from from the coronavirus, you know, we're seeing a lot of companies dive into the efforts of creating uh, either testing kits or looking for you know vaccines. You know, bio biopharmaceutical companies; those are the ones you want to look at. And then ones that are in China that are reopening. 
that are starting to yeah. rise again. Starbucks is a really good one. Perfect. Uh, that is starting to reopen their stores in China, as is Apple. Uh, and Nike as well, who has a strong uh, backing in China. So these are stocks that have you know, historically been uh, value stocks anyways in the food services business. But now that they've been so you know, decimated by, by this virus, especially in China, it, it, you know, when they get their China industries back and we're hearing that it's getting better there, those would be good stocks to look at. That's great, and I'm glad you brought that up. We were talking about this earlier, and this ties in, of course, to what you do as well. And Jared Smith at Jared Lee Smith Sports Grid and beyond joining us, Aton Shander, the second level betting. So clearly illegal, but it's the global market, so why the hell not, right? We have <laughs> odds on when three stores, three industry staples of fast food will open in the U.K., so KFC, McDonald's, and Starbucks. Now, Star- th- this mm. is interesting because Starbucks is the heaviest of the three favorites to open after May 15th. And I feel like, based on what I've read, Starbucks at, I think, 90 to 95% operational in China right now, based off of all the extreme measures, cleaning measures that they've taken, it would seem like Starbucks would be the latest to reopen of the three in McDonald's and KFC as well. Hundred percent. And uh, Kevin Johnson, the CEO of Starbucks, has done an incredible job with assuring that none of his workforce is going to be laid off during this time. Uh, oh, and obviously, nice. his full timers, uh, you know, the, the baristas, uh, as they're called. And I'm sure there's plenty of other uh, people that work operationally for Starbucks that are very happy to hear that as well. Uh, and and again, that's that's a that's a strong commitment to his company. And and that, those are the types of things you want to see because, Aton, from all things that we're hearing from the public health officials and. You know, at this point, their word is gospel, and and you have to take what they are taking, and especially the the public health officials who are on the front line, seeing what our other uh, medical, uh, uh, you know, uh, employees and doctors and nurses are dealing with on a daily basis. It's going to get worse in this country before it gets better, and I can't speak for you know other countries in terms of what they're dealing with. I paid much closer attention to our. Uh, situation and the hotspots that are popping up here in this country, but it's going to be, it's going to take some time. And Starbucks is a company that clearly is committed to doing it the right way. The one across the street from me here on the Upper East Side has been closed uh, for the last few weeks, uh, last two weeks. And I, I don't expect it to reopen anytime soon. Do you think that there might be a one or maybe two obvious businesses or, or maybe even an industry that will have an immediate bounce back? Because when you look at this slow and unfortunate, definitely slow shutdown that we're going through around the country, even in areas like the entire state of PA isn't uniformly shut down yet. But my point of it is, can we identify an industry or maybe a couple of big businesses, big stocks, that all it takes is just like 50% back to normal and they will return, like they will boom. Because you're right, there are going to be a bunch of industry and stocks that represent businesses that are going to have to either change or die. But I wonder if there's something that you've looked at and thought, you know what, as soon as people can get back outside, this stock or this business, this industry is just going to take back off again. Uh, I mean, that, I think that I think every industry is, is going to going to feel this for a long time. I don't think any industry is totally immune to it, but I do think there are industries that are a little more immune to it. Uh, and so maybe they haven't fallen or they won't feel the heat as much. I mean, I think the answer is the tech companies. Uh, 
I, I, I do think they will, because they are obviously getting, I mean, that, the entire market is getting hit by this. There are a few certain stocks that have been improved. Mo- most of them are pharmaceutical, uh, biotech stocks. Uh, but the big tech stocks, I think, will bounce back faster. First of all, we rely on them so much. And, and you know, right now, the hardest thing for a lot of these companies, take Netflix, for example, uh, no one's producing content right now. No, their studios are, are closed. So they're going to run out of new stuff eventually. Uh, well, th- that'll be one of the first things to come back because it's in an isolated area and, you, you know, you, it's not a massive amount of people that are crowded in one area like you would for a travel the travel industry or even the restaurant industry and the uh, hotel uh, industry or the retail industry, you know, having a hundred people in a store uh, is going to be a little bit harder. So I think the tech stocks, because we rely on them so much uh, for how we not only communicate with each other, but also how we watch uh, entertainment and there's not much entertainment to go around. So I think no. the, the companies that can take advantage of that early on, the content producing companies and the tech companies that really uh, are getting hit hard right now, obviously because no one is working uh, but it might uh, get better quicker because that is going to be the first thing that needs to get back online to get our country kind of jump-started again. What about Sony, Microsoft, PlayStation, Xbox, respective? Even if you want to throw in, you mentioned Apple, but PC, if it's HP or another brand, are they too big of a blue chip to really make something knowing that so many people are probably going to go out and buy a PlayStation or Xbox being at home? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think those entertainment companies are in a tough spot right now. I think, I think everyone's in a tough spot right now. Right now, I'm resorting to a lot of older entertainment to kind of keep me occupied. But Nothing wrong you with know, that. It's, 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 yeah, no, it's, it's definitely been interesting. You know, I think we're all inventing new ways to kind of entertain <laughs> ourselves and, and, and inventing new ways to kind of keep ourselves occupied, especially uh, now that I'm fully working from home, Aton. It, it has been an interesting adjustment, but I think what it's doing – is it's forcing a lot of people in this country to really, you know, take take into account what's really important. They're spending probably way more time with their families, maybe too much time with their families yeah. uh, than they normally would, loved ones, et cetera. Uh, and and it's 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 almost like a timeout for this country. I mean, it's crazy to think, and and it's crazy to think for the world how fast we move. Uh, but it's causing a lot of things to kind of slow down a little bit. And you know, I think the entire world will be changed from this in terms of the socio-economical dynamics of the world. Uh, you know, how we do business with each other, how we talk to each other on a daily basis, how we think about our, our movements and our travel uh, and, and, and what we do and how much we spend. It's going to be a very interesting summer uh, uh, in, in this country, to say the least, especially in the areas that have been hit the hardest. Jared, I've got a minute left. Give me a show you're watching. Mr. Robot, Westworld, Ozark is back. Mm. I'm halfway through the season. Give yeah. me one. Brock Myers back, which is one of my favorites. Hank Azaria is incredible, uh, and and he has uh, he's got me locked in right now. I think it's the third or the fourth season. Oh, I love Hank Azaria. All right, nice. That's going to go oh, down right incredible. at the top of the list. Thank you, brother. Stay safe and healthy, man. You got it anytime, Aton. Thank you. Appreciate you too. At Jared Lee Smith on Twitter. Now I need to correct something that I saw on Twitter before I came on the air. I don't know if he said it before my show on the air, but I just want to clear the air and correct it because when I make a mistake, I want you to know out there I made a mistake. And likewise, if I get credited for something positive or good that I didn't do, I'll come out and say, look, that wasn't me. I'll explain as we wrap up the show next on the second level.
Dealing with the root of the issues. It's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's Aton Shander. Coming up the next couple hours, Dave Smith will ride out with you the Saturday night here on all platforms here, SB Nation Radio, and back with you next Saturday, 5 to 9 Eastern. So we'll tack on an extra hour, bunch of stuff that will jam in beyond anything that we can inch closer with the NFL draft. Don't expect a ton, but you never know. With a league like the NFL in action, even in the offseason, you never know. Something could pop up, especially in that league, where it might not even be a positive thing, yet it's going to grab our attention now when we're all quarantined. Speaking of which, I saw this tweet at the end, or right before I got on, right as Patrick Creighton got off the air. And I don't know because I missed the final segment, and I heard him talking about Brock Meyer at the end. Now, it's funny because Jared Smith brought up Brock Meyer as well. The reason why I bring this up is because Creighton credited another host and myself as people who told him, and oh, you got to watch Brock Meyer. I've never seen Brock Meyer. So I don't know if I was in some sort of drunken haze, and I was like, yeah, Creighton, you got to watch this Brockmeyer show. Uh, I don't know what the hell the case was, but I have I do not remember at all, at least being cognizant, sober in my life, telling Creighton, yo, you got to watch. Now, Andrew, real quick, I know we're ending, but did he mention me say, specifically telling him to watch that show? I don't think so. I think that he just knows you're the network TV expert. So if it's a show... Tom probably knows about it. I know Hank Azaria is a fantastic actor, spans across a lot of talents. I've heard great things about the show. I don't dislike it. I just, I, I can't take credit. Give credit to the other guy. Thanks, Andrew. Great job producing him back next week.